Thank you for listening to the South Bay Bible Church podcast. We are a gospel-centered family, and we want you to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. So stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing with us um, from your hearts and uh, blessing us in a time of scripture and a time of worship through music. Yes, uh, glory, glory, hallelujah, Jesus, you are good. Um, let me uh, first of all say it's good to be back. It's really good to be back and it's good to be here with you all. Uh, I took the past three weeks off from preaching um, for paternity leave, and uh, you can show the next slide. Um, Paternity leave, the reason for paternity leave was uh, because of this guy here. Uh, you can see uh, Caleb, uh, who's almost three months old now, and uh, big brother Zachary, who's, um, you know, loving, loving the, uh, the having a new baby brother in the house. Uh, Caleb is a very happy, he's, he's actually a very, like, energetic, very loud baby. <laughs> um, so he's, very, he, he's cooing a lot. But he's also crying very loudly most of the day. So let's just say uh, mommy and dad are quite exhausted. <laughs> um, so the, the past three weeks have been really good for, for Liz and I just to, to spend time together, taking care of one another and um, welcoming Caleb more so into our family. And so there he is. I uh, can't wait for you guys to meet him in person. Um, can't wait for you guys to hold him and, and uh, meet him and say hello. Um, but, you know, things are the way they are right now. And I'm just grateful that we could all be together here on Zoom together. And, um, you know, as I've been off for the past couple of weeks, I just want to give a quick thank you and shout out to all the, the guest speakers that we had. You know, Uncle Gene did a great job speaking. We had Pastor Jim and uh, Pastor Gabe, who also shared God's word with us. And um, just I want to thank them. And just, you know, it's, it's great to know that um, that there are people who who love the Lord and who want to to love you guys, the church as well, um, to 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 care for you and to share God's word with you um, while their pastor is away. So, um, quick thank you to them. Um, so, with that being said, we're going to go straight into it. We're going to go back into our sermon series, a better church, and a better church is all about rediscovering what the church was always meant to be, rediscovering what church was always meant to be. And the way we're doing that is by going back to scripture. We're going through the book of Ephesians to learn about who we are as a church and how we are to live, what makes us different. And a quick recap, um, the first thing that uh, we learned about is that we are a, a people who are adopted. Who we are, we are people who are adopted. We have been um, chosen out of love um, by God to be a part of his family, that you are now a son of God, that you are now a daughter of God because God chose you to be adopted into his family. And then we also learned the following week that we find our home in Christ, meaning that we live in Christ. We don't just live here in our physical homes. We don't just live here in California or wherever you are right now, but you live in Christ as the church. And um, I want to just uh, remind you of what Pastor Jim shared with us, because that leads into today's message, that to also be a better church, we have to be a praying church. A better church is a church that prays. To be a better church, we must be a praying church. And that leads us into today's passage. And the question that I have for us this morning, what should we be praying about? 
What are the things that God wants us to be praying for? What should we as a church be praying for? And today's passage is really insightful. And I, I believe it's really relevant for us today um, here in 2021, um, because uh, I, I remember one of the questions that um, Pastor Gabe asked us is, um, what do we pray about the most? What are the things that we, we as individuals, what do we pray about the most? And when he asked that, I was instantly convicted. I'm like, man, ooh, I've been praying a lot for myself, you know, just for survival. <laughs> Caleb looks cute. He might have a great big smile, but man, he is a lot of work. So I've been praying for, for Liz. I've been praying for, for my kids to survive. I've been praying for my own survival. These are the things that I have found myself praying for the most, me, my family, and I. Um, but I, I want us to think about this together as a church. What should we be praying for? Because I want to grow and I want to be better in my prayer life. And I want our church to grow as a praying church. And I believe today's passage, which is the, the last part of Ephesians chapter one, will help us all to grow in our own prayer lives and in our faith. So before we go into today's passage, let me just go to the Lord in prayer and let's pray. Commit this time to the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that God, you are a God who is um, able to listen to our prayers. What an amazing truth that is, that God, we have access to the God of the universe through prayer. What an amazing truth that is. And so God, help us not to take that for granted. Help us not to take this time for granted. Help us not to take each other, God, for granted. And so we surrender ourselves to you. God, would your spirit illuminate the text and speak to us, convict us and transform us to be more and more like you. That is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. So next, next slide, please. The passage for today is found in Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. We're going to start with 17 because Pastor Jim already preached 15 and 16 about being a church that prays. So verse 17 says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And uh, we're just going to stop right here, verse 17, just to take note. First of all, first note the Trinitarian nature of Paul's understanding of God. For us today in the modern church in 2021, uh, we tend to shy, I, I, well, personally, I tend to shy away from the more mystical and, and mysterious aspects of God, namely the Trinity, the, the aspect that God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Spirit. But look at the way that Paul praise. He prays uh, just with this deep understanding of how God works and who God is. This is Paul's knowledge of God seen in his prayer life. And I think today there's a lot of distinction, maybe brought on by pastors such as my, like, like me, uh, between the theology and the spirituality of our faith, the, the, the theology, the doctrine, the intellectual pursuit of faith, and then the spiritual aspects of faith, the emotional, the, the, the more, um, the supernatural aspects of faith. And there's this distinction, this line that these two cannot get together. These two do not belong. But look at verse 17 here. We see that Paul's understanding, his theology, what he knows about God, has 
impacted the way that he talks and prays to God, which is really awesome. He keeps asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. So just real quickly, this is not even one of the major points here, but how has the knowledge, how has your intellect, how has your knowledge of God invaded your own prayer life? Think about that this morning. Has the has uh, God's revelation of through his word and his creation, um, has that just stayed as information or has that transformed the way that you relate to God, the way that you talk to him, the way that you think about him? And I, I believe that there's when you, these two things work together, your prayer life, your, 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 your intellectual informational pursuit of God and your, your spiritual life will, will blossom when these two things work in harmony, when they work in harmony. So think about it. What has your, has your intellectual pursuit of God impacted the way that you pray? Has it impacted the way that you actually relate to the Lord? So that's just who we're praying to. We're praying to the God the, the Trinitarian God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. And what do we pray for? What should we be praying for? We need to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Pray for wisdom. And what is wisdom? Pray for wisdom. Wisdom is understanding. Wisdom is not just information, but it is the right information applied in the right manner. It's Good information applied in a good way. And <laughs> let me just tell you, it is so hard to be wise, to act wisely. Uh, it's so hard to do the right thing because that's really what wisdom is. It's the right information applied and done correctly. <laughs> and as someone who's been trained in, let me just give an example. As someone who's been trained in uh, marital counseling, I theoretically should know how to solve the conflicts that arise within my own marriage, within my own family. Um, you know, someone who's done a lot of ministry to children and to youth, I should know how to best engage my own kids. And I do, you know, I'm a perfect husband and I'm a perfect uh, I'm a perfect father and I never fight with Liz and I never fight with my, my children. I never raise my voice and my kids. Um, <laughs> you can go in the chat now and tell me if you believe that. <laughs> I have one believer. I have one believer. Thank you, William. You believe in me. <laughs> of course not. Liz and I fight all the time. We fight all the time. We're going on many years of marriage now. And it's been even tough, more tough, more difficult now since we welcome Caleb into our lives. And uh, we're also in the process of, of moving to a new house and remodeling that. And, and, you know, it's just a really easy season of life so that everyone's always getting along. It's not true at all. We need wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom because wisdom allows us to to live a better life with one another and before the Lord. We need wisdom. So that's wisdom. Revelation. What is, yeah, pray for wisdom. Next, we can keep going. Pray for wisdom. The next is pray for spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is revelation? 
If you've grown up in church, Revelation should make you think of one particular book, the end of the Bible, talking about the end times. And I believe that's not what Paul here is talking about. Revelation in the Greek, just the basic understanding of the word revelation is an uncovering, something that is uncovered or unveiled, something that has been revealed. Um, So speaking of marriage and relationships, uh, you know, Uh, Liz and I love to spend time together watching uh, TV. We like to watch TV. We like to watch uh, uh, HGTV in particular. We like to watch the the shows like House Hunters and Fixer Upper. Um, And there's a very formulaic way that these shows are made. I've I've probably seen every single episode of Fixer Upper. Um, And I can tell you exactly what's going to happen um, exactly, you know, what, what the reaction is going to be, but about 95%, 90, almost 99% of each episode shows the before the, the planning, the, the, the house hunting, the, the demolition, the construction and all the mishaps that happen with construction. And about the last sliver of the show, the last section of the show is the reveal, the reveal, the curtains are pulled back. The, the house is unveiled, the door opens and commercial break right there. (laughs) There's always a commercial break because they know that you want to see the reveal. The viewer wants to see the reveal. We want to know what it's going to look like. We want to know behind the curtain. We want to see the finished product. We want to know how the story ends, right? And so um, this is a similar thing that's within all of us. We want to know what the, what, how our story ends collectively here on earth. We look to the heavens, we look at the world around us, we see all this, this suffering, this sickness, this pain, this injustice, all of this brokenness around us. And we see, how does this story end, God? What is happening here? We look to the Lord for answers, and that is what Revelation is about. It's an uncovering of God's will. It's an uncovering of God's plan, uncovering of what God has purposed for his people. And um, so the revelation will continue on in the next verse. Actually, it will say the, the eyes of your heart are open. The eyes of your heart are open. But what does it look like for wisdom and revelation to work together, work in conjunction with one another? What's the connection between the two? Wisdom and revelation. When the two of these things work together, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation work together together. Yes, we pray for revelation. The next is we will know him better. We will know God better. When we have wisdom and we have a revelation, we will end up knowing God better. That's why we need wisdom. That's why we need revelation. We need to pray for wisdom and revelation that leads us to know God better. There's so many ways that we, we misuse the wisdom and revelation of God, not to know God better, but to further our own kingdoms here on earth, to, you know, in the church world, to grow our church's influence and power, to grow our political influence and power in this country, to make my family a better family, to make my relationship a better relationship, to make myself a more wealthy and more peaceful individual. No, we need wisdom and we need revelation so that we can know God better. So that we can know God better. How many of our prayers have been about, God, I just want to know you more. 
How much of our prayer life has been, God, I need to know you better. I don't know you enough. I need to know you better. That is the heart here that Paul has for his his fellow brothers and sisters that he has pastored. He wants them to have wisdom and revelation so that they will know God more and more, that they will know God better. And that is my prayer for all of us, that in this season of craziness, this season of, of huge challenge and isolation, I pray that we will be a church that will continually know God better. And the rest of the passage here actually shows us um, three things um, that uh, we will know more of as we pray. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. I look at this more as like um, an example of how to pray. And speaking of examples of how to pray, one of the, the best examples of how to pray is the way that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer, right? That's not Every prayer has to be like the Lord's prayer, but we learn from Jesus how to pray. And in the same way, we can also learn from Paul how to pray. This is just one way that he prays, meaning that if you're praying these things, you're definitely right. But not every single prayer needs to be about these things. Does that make sense? Okay, so we'll continue on. Three things that we want to know um, when we know God better. These are three things that Paul wants his church to know better about God. So verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So the first thing that Paul wants his people to know more about God is hope. Hope. The hope to which God has called you. That's the first thing. The first thing that we want to know more of is hope. And we are a people who are called to hope. What, is, what, is, what does it mean to hope? And I, I believe I've used hope a lot in the sports sense, speaking of Super Bowl Sunday. I hope that the Warriors make it to the, the playoffs this year. I hope that Clay Thompson recovers from injury. It's a lot of wishful thinking, right? And it's something that you have really no control over, but you just, it will be nice if this happened. That's, that's the way that we think of hope today. But in the biblical sense, when I think of biblical hope, I actually think of what Chris was talking about this morning, the Exodus being enslaved. I think of a people of God enslaved in Egypt. I think of them wandering in the wilderness. I think of the people of God going into the promised land and seeing giants. I see, I think of the people of God who have been exiled from the promised land and now are in Babylon. I see a people who are now under Roman occupation, who are desperate and can only hope for deliverance. That is what I think of when I think of biblical hope. Hope is for a people who are in bondage. Hope is for a people who aren't there yet. Hope is for a people who need deliverance who need to be saved. That is what hope is in the biblical sense. And the good news is that our hope is found in Jesus. Our hope is found in Jesus. And coming out of, you know, we're just beginning the year, starting the first week of February. We just came out of the season of Advent and Christmas. We know, we're reminded every Christmas and Advent season that hope has come into the world through Jesus, the Son of God. He is the hope of the world. He is the light in the darkness. He is the way in the wilderness. And we are called to hope in 
Christ. And so to know God better, we will know more hope. We will know more about the hope of God. And to know more about the hope of God, we actually need to know more about Christ. It's not just vague, wishful thinking. It's not just thinking, oh gosh, I hope that this will happen one day. I hope things will go back to normal after this pandemic. No, hope, the hope of God is the word made flesh. It is real. It is the incarnation. And this hope is needed now more than ever. People are not okay. People are not okay. So many of us are um, just placing our hope in the vaccine so that things will go back together. Uh, Before that, we see people placing their hope in the political figure. We see people placing their hope in the stock market or the economy. People are putting their hope in all of these other things that will ultimately fail them and disappoint them and eat them alive. That is what an idol is. People are not well. People are not well. We've lived through such a strange and challenging year. I want to ask you this. Are you well? Are you okay? Do you need the hope of God? Have you encountered this hope? Do you need to see more of this hope? Let's keep going. The second thing that we will know more of as we pray to know God better is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's a very churchy sentence right there. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Very quickly, just going through this. It is not riches for you. (laughs) It's not riches for me. It's not material wealth. Let's read this carefully now. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Who is this? His It is God's, the riches of God's glorious inheritance in God's holy people. We will know as we, as our hearts are enlightened, as we know God more through the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we will know more about our own worth, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Meaning that God's inheritance is us. We are the inheritance of God. And that is the way that God views us. We are not well. We are not okay. We are weak and we are broken people. But the way that God sees us, wow, he sees us as the riches of his glorious inheritance. That is the worth and the value that God has on your life. So the second thing that we see is our own worth. We see ourselves as worthy because of the way that God sees us. Not because of how rich we are or how blessed we are, but because we are simply the inheritance of God. God has chosen us. He has adopted us into his family. And because of that, we are worthy. We are worthy. We are the glorious inheritance of God, of God. The third thing that we see as we know God better is, next slide, next slide, please. His, verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. So we see the hope of God, we see our own worth, and we will see resurrection power for us who believe. That's the third thing that we will see resurrection power. And we need to know this resurrection power today. 
don't we? We have, I have never lived through um, a year so filled with death, so filled with sickness, so filled with just the sense of dread and mortality. But that's where the power and the goodness and the hope of God comes in because there is a resurrection. There is a resurrection power available to us who believe. And the, the rest of the passage continues to describe this power, this resurrection power. Let's go on. Next slide, please. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. We'll stop there. How do we obtain such mighty strength, mighty power that raised Christ from the dead? Simply by believing, simply through faith, right? But then this resurrection power didn't just make Christ alive, but it actually raised him higher and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And that's an amazing sentence right there, that Christ who was dead after he was crucified through the power of the resurrection, through the power of God that is available to us who believe has now raised Christ from the dead, seated him far above all the, all the political, rule and authority, all the powerful people and forces in the world, and every single strong name that is invoked, all the celebrity and all the famous people here on earth, all the powerful people here on earth, not only now, but every single other rule, power, and name that is to come, Christ is far above all of those things. And we've Again, we've lived through such a crazy year that, sh that we've seen the shaking of every single, almost every single pillar of our society. The structure of life has really been uh, really sh shaken this year. We can go to the next slide. We've seen the, the shaking of the way that we worship. We're worshiping online and some people are worshiping um, and wearing masks, but we've, we've seen the, the shaking of the way that we interact with each other on interpersonal relationships. We've also seen schools and all these different aspects of our own society shaken. Kids are going to school online. We've seen our political, political uh, culture shaken as well, political structure shaken. And then even just this past week, we've seen our, the stock market go through a crazy, unprecedented shaking. Um, there's almost nothing that has has uh, not been touched by uh, this shaking, by this upheaval. Um, and a lot of this has caused people to feel uncertain, to feel like they are not safe anymore. But none of this uncertainty, none of this upheaval, none of this shaking should deter the church from the mission of being the church. Why? Because of what we just read. Christ is seated far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, every single name that is on a flag or a banner on a ballot, every single person here on earth that is now or to come, nothing compares to Christ. Christ is far above all of that. And lastly here, we see that the next slide, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Christ is far above every single structure and power of our life. 
here on earth. But more importantly, he is the head over the church. He is our head. And so to know God better, just think of this, knowing God better begins and ends with Christ. Begins and ends with Christ. Knowing God better begins and ends with Christ. Why? Because when we know more about the hope of God, what we're doing is actually learning more about Christ. When we learn more about our worth, we're learning about more about the way that Christ died for us. When we learn about the resurrection power, what are we doing? We're learning more about Christ. Knowing God better begins and ends with Christ. And he is the head of our church. It's not me. It's not our deacons. It's not our elders. It's not our illustrious Auntie Susie even. The head of our church is Christ. And praise God for that because he is far above every other power on earth, every other authority on earth. And so to be a better church, to be a better church, we must pray. Pray for wisdom and revelation to know God better, to know more of the hope of God, to know more of the, the, our own value, to know more of the power of God. But ultimately, knowing God better begins and ends with Christ. And so we ask ourselves, who are we? Who are we as a church? Who are we? We, the church, we are the body of Christ. Christ is our head. And we should be praying to know God better, to know God better. I want us to, um, to go into a time of communion right now, to go into a time of communion, because communion is a time where we collectively remember what God has done for us. It's an act of knowing. It's an act of declaring what is known. And, and specifically, the story of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, that he died for you, that he died for me, and that if we receive him as our savior, we receive the forgiveness that he has for us, we can be forgiven, we can be saved. And so, next slide, communion. And when we did communion the first Sunday of the year, uh, we had our cameras on, and I believe that was a huge blessing for us. Um, I'm re if you remember, communion was a um, very individual moment in our previous worship services when we gathered together. It was a time where the lights were low. It was a time when the music was low. It was just between you and the Lord. And we would all take, take our time before the Lord and in prayer. And uh, we would just confess our sins and, and just receive the grace and forgiveness of God and slowly make our way forward to the table. It was this highly individual moment um, within this congregational setting. Um, but we've lost a lot of things throughout the pandemic. And one of that is the fact that we are no longer together here um, worshiping. Um, so instead of it being a, com a very individualistic communion, um, I think what will really be a blessing is if we continue what we did at the first week of um, uh, the first Sunday of the year, where we turn our cameras on communion and celebrate communion together. Um, so take some time now to gather your communion elements. I'm going to do that right now. Get the bread, get the cup. 
No judgment here for how you look. No judgment here for how your house looks. And no judgment for what you're using. The communion elements were simply things that Jesus had at his disposal during the Passover meal. And so whatever you have at your disposal, something to represent the bread, something to represent the body of Christ, something to represent the cup, doesn't matter what it's filled with. Please get that ready right now. And when you're ready, go ahead and turn your cameras on. We want to see each other and celebrate together what Christ has done for us as a church. So when you're ready, turn your cameras on and we'll celebrate the communion together. Maybe we can turn um, gallery view on. I'm not sure how to do that. There we go. All right. I was talking to myself there. Thank you all for turning your cameras on. Um, and thank you so much for getting your communion table uh, ready. Um, we want to know God better. But knowing God better isn't just about knowing obscure things from scripture. Knowing God better begins and ends with Christ. And that is the power of communion, the power of remembering what God has done for us on the cross. Uh, so Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So take the bread, eat this in remembrance of Christ. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup, <clears throat> the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> 